everybody, and welcome to For the Wins bonus podcast edition of The Gridiron Geeks. I am Charles Curtis here, as always, with, I want to call him the NFL guru, so we're just going to go with it, our NFL guru, Stephen Ruiz. How are you today, Stephen? I feel a lot better now that I've been called a guru, but uh, I was not I was not doing good yesterday watching that Panthers game, which was like the most dreadful game I've ever seen in my life. So much bad football this season, and that game, which I actually got to watch quite a bit of, was just a, a mess all over the place. I think you wrote about it yesterday. Do I, do I have that right? The yeah. Was the worst football game? Yeah, the Panthers like dominated the game and and got dominated on the scoreboard. It made no sense, but that's just the NFL this this season. Uh, to borrow a phrase from uh, a New York Yankees uh, radio guy, John Sterling, well, you just can't predict football, and it's it's the, it's the truth. Anyway, let's get right into it. As always, uh, now we're we're in week seven of the NFL, which means that the season's actually coming to the halfway point, which is just insane. Uh, but each week we talk about four issues uh, and and a few unpopular opinions, along with our, our a few other little segments that we do so let's jump right into uh reviewing the nfl uh from sunday and we're taping this on monday before monday night football so we're gonna jump right in let's do it four downs is our first segment we talk about four things that we want to talk about because you're listening and, and we're talking so let's do it um first things first what the heck is going on with the atlanta falcons offense they just put up one of the worst games uh you could imagine after uh last year's super bowl against the patriots so, all Falcons fans are putting on Steve Sarkeesian, and I think he's definitely played the biggest role in the offense not being as good as it was last year. I don't think it ever was going to be as good as it was last year because it was so historically good. But I think another subplot that people may not be giving enough attention is that they were like remarkably healthy last year. But all five starters in the offensive line played 16 games, which is ridiculous. They really didn't suffer too many injuries. I know Julio Jones got injured towards the end of the year, but I, I don't think he really he missed like two games. But this year, they lost the right tackle. Julio Jones missed some time. Sanu missed some time. So, yeah, I think they're dealing with injuries. And then Sarkeesian isn't Kyle Shanahan, is, I think, is what we've learned over the last seven weeks. Yeah, that's it's it's bad there. It's bad all over the place. And Julio Jones, fantasy owners are tearing their hair out because he's just he hasn't scored this year. And it, oh no, he scored once. I'm sorry. And it's like Julio Jones is supposed to be a top three fantasy player uh, this year. And and I I'm glad you brought up health because I really do wonder about it with Julio Jones. The guy has amassed so many injuries over the years. Um, you know, he gave his all. You saw it in the Super Bowl. He's given his body over. You kind of wonder. I think he'll he'll still put up some numbers. I'd be a trade for him now kind of guy, but I really wonder about his health specifically. And if he's the engine that makes this this offense go, although I think the the running game is what really you know kind of sets up everything for, for Matt Ryan, makes you kind of wonder if Julio Jones is is really healthy because uh, and and if he's not healthy, then the whole offense kind of comes to a grinding halt, right? Or or is it that they have to become kind of more of a running uh, balanced team or, or more of a run heavy team than they are. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're right with Jones really being the engine because uh, he, he forces the defenses to play certain coverages. Like you can't just put a corner out there and expect them to stop Julio Jones. You have to have a safety out there and that, that affects what kind of coverages you can play. It also lightens the box. So the running game, gets going and the running game fuels the passing the play action passing game so you know it's kind of symbiotic there 
And I think yeah. I think what we've seen is the the how important the feel for play calling is. Like you can have the same playbook, you can have the same players, but if it's not the same guy calling the plays, then you know it might not produce the same results. And one key area, I haven't really studied the Falcons' offense yet. I'm going to do that and write about it later in the week. But one thing they're not doing, which they did a lot last year, was running or passing on rundowns. So when you pass on rundowns, that's when defenses are like at their most simplest. Like they, they don't really like throw these complex coverages and blitzes at you until third down. So if you pass on like first and ten, you can you pretty much know what defense what coverage the defense is going to be in. And the Falcons did a lot of that last year, and that's how they got big gains to Julio Jones and Sadoon. Yeah, my, my bigger question to you is, and, and this is something that I would argue yes on, is it Matt Ryan? Because, you know, throwing more interceptions, you know, his interception rates up this year. Obviously, again, six games compared to 16 games last year, but the guy threw seven interceptions all of last year, and he's throwing six this year. Um, and, you know, me, Mr. Fantasy Guy, I'm like, nah. I was not high on Matt Ryan to begin with because I think he kind of peaked last year. I was worried about just the change in the offensive coordinator, regardless of whether it would it would be good or not. I just don't like the idea of, of all that change happening. But too many mistakes, or is it is it that he's being forced into them um, with all these kind of problems around him? I think it goes back to, to Shanahan being gone because I think one of the things he did best was really, you know, paint a picture for Matt Ryan with like pre-snap motions and, how he used personnel like he he would one thing he would do one tactic he would always use is he would put he would uh have the falcons line up in like an empty formation no no one in the backfield and he'd put like a fullback out wide and that tells the quarterback a lot of things because if they put if they put a cornerback out there that tells them that tells matt ryan that they're in a zone defense because you know you wouldn't match up a cornerback with a fullback you wouldn't waste a cornerback on a fullback if you're playing man coverage so you do that and then you he'd bring the fullback back in so matt ryan would know that he was facing zone or man based on that and say if they put a linebacker or safety on the fullback then you would know they're in man coverage so now he's having to do more reading of the defense after the snap and that leads to mistakes because obviously it, take, it requires more guesswork and you're doing it while you're getting rushed by 300-pound lineman. See, this is why I called Stephen Rees a guru. Did you did you all hear that breakdown? That was insane. That was the, like that should be that should be posted somewhere outside the Falcons locker room, inside the Falcons locker room. Uh, that was a really great <laughs> breakdown, and, and we'll see. I I don't I don't think they are the team they were last year. I don't think they make the playoffs, especially in the crowded, you know, weird NFC right now. Um, uh, maybe they rebound at some point, but man, that offense. Blah. Let's move on. Question number two, what are the Cardinals going to do now that that uh, Carson Palmer is out? Um, and I have actually written down in my little notes here, whole lot of nothing, but I'll let you you uh, go ahead and, and, and go with that. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, this has to bode well for Adrian Peterson, right? You have to think they're just going to lean on him and then kind of build that passing game off the threat of the run where maybe in the past they've done it the opposite way. Cause I mean, you can't trust Drew Stanton to run an offense where you're chucking the ball downfield, which is what Arians likes to do. I mean, Arians, I, I think, I think he's gotten a lot of criticism for not maybe changing his scheme sooner when the offensive line started going downhill, which exposed Palmer to a lot of hits. But I think now he's like kind of forced to have to do that. 
you know, I don't know about Adrian Peterson. I just don't know. I was so down on him when when the trade happened. And then, of course, he has that that huge game against Tampa Bay. And then he shows up to the Rams game, and he averages 1.9 yards per carry. 1.9. I'm not so sure that handing the ball to Adrian Peterson 30 times a game is, is going to work. It's not like the, the Cardinals have what the Jaguars have or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, with Stanton – it's Adrian Peterson in, in Minnesota all over again where the, the, they're going to stack the box and they're going to say, well, you know, we, we don't care about Drew Stanton or, you know, Blaine Gabbert maybe throwing the ball. We care about Adrian Peterson to shut down this offense because what how is Drew Stanton going to beat us? So that's, I don't know, uh, do you think that would work? No, I don't think it would work from like a real football perspective, no. But if Peterson's getting a bunch of carries, then uh, I mean, I think he's going to produce some fantasy points. But no, That's I think the, what they really have to do is just, you know, just sell everything, all their assets off and rebuild at this point. I mean, it, their windows, it was probably closed before the season started, but now it's, it's definitely closed. Is, is Carson Palmer's career done, you think? In Arizona, I think, yeah, definitely. I don't think it's done, though. I don't think a broken arm really, I don't know. I don't think that will that would end a quarterback's career. I think he's he's played better than his stats say he has. He's just been dealing with maybe the worst offensive line in the league, and he's been asked to throw downfield, which requires time in the pocket, obviously, and he's not getting it. One thing is the mistakes, but he's always been a mistake-prone quarterback. Even in 2015 when he was an MVP candidate, even back then he was throwing a lot of interceptable passes, that, and he had a lot of luck with dropped interceptions. But he can still make big-time throws, and that's what you worry about with older quarterbacks quarterbacks as if they can still make those throws downfield and he can yeah but drew, drew stanton can i i did read something i think it was espn wrote something you know somebody there wrote something about getting blaine garrett in there and i was like yeah why not but then i thought it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i think the cardinals aren't contenders anymore i don't think they were even close to that now um so i'm with you rebuild shut it down uh yeah, sure. Give Adrian Peterson the ball. Hope that he, you know, breaks through some of these these problematic lines. And we'll talk more about Larry Fitzgerald later. So we, we'll we'll I'll get to him uh, a little bit later. Let's let's go on to a, a more of a league wide question. Question number three of our four downs. Who are who's going to right now? Who are your picks to win the AFC Wild Card spots? See, I I propose this question and I have no idea what the answer is because <laughs> I've been thinking about it for like the We're last twenty four hours and. I, right now, the wild card is the Bills and the Dolphins, I believe. Those are the two teams yep. that would make it if the season ended today. And, well, I'm not buying the Dolphins at all. I mean, I, their luck in these close games is going to run out. I think they've won 12 in a row, 12 one-possession games in a row now. That's going <laughs> to so- end eventually. And if you need last-second field goals to beat the Jets, a team that blew you out a couple weeks ago, I don't think you're a playoff team. The Bills, I'm... I've been high on the Bills since, I think, week three now. I think that's when I wrote about them. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. But I think they're definitely going to be an 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, kind of team. What are your thoughts on the Bills? I love that. I, and I, that was exactly what I was going to say, that the two teams that are in the AFC wildcard spots right now will not be there uh, by season's end. And it's funny, we keep not believing in the Bills, and they keep making us believers, which is insane. Like, they have no wide receivers to speak of that Zay Jones is their best wide out. Um, their best receiver is currently injured Charles Clay. And, and so they've got, you know, a tight end who's, who's been taking up uh, Nick O'Leary, who is a guy on fantasy radars now because all he does is just 
gobble up um, uh, looks from from Tyrod Taylor. I think that the Bills have a shot at a nine and seven season, but I don't think nine and seven wins a wild card spot. Um, and it's just funny to look at the standings. You got like the Jaguars at four and three, and you have the Broncos at three and three. Um, the Chargers, who I'll get to later, three and four. Um, if you put a gun to my head right now and said who are the who are the, who's going to win the, the wild card spots, I think. I'm probably going to end up saying the Texans just because I, I love what they're doing on defense. And I think Deshaun Watson's magic isn't going to run out that quickly. Um, they have all the makings of kind of a 10 win team. And also uh, the AFC South, which I said last week, right, that they were the, the most exciting uh, uh, division in football right now. I mean, the Titans just barely squeaked one out against the Browns. So that's trouble. The Jaguars are probably all over the place in terms of like their defense is insanely good, but how long can they keep this up with Fournette who was out last week and with, you know, uh, the, their quarterback situation. Um, I almost said, by the way, Blaine Gabbert there, because of course that's what I'm thinking of with the Jaguars and, and with the, um, the, the Cardinals um, and the Colts are terrible. So, Texans kind of, you know, maybe they win the division, but maybe they, you know, the Titans kind of shore up things and win the division somehow and the Texans win the wild card. So right now, I guess I'll put one of those two teams in there. I just, I keep having the faith that Marcus Mariota cleans it up. And then the other one's coming out of the AFC West. It's maybe the Chiefs, maybe the Broncos. Um, and, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'll get to the Chargers later. Um, I think I'm done with the Broncos after yesterday. Ooh. I think the Chargers are the... <sighs> The Chargers or Raiders are definitely, I think, they definitely take one of the wild card spots. I'm not buying the Titans. They have a negative point differential right now. They've been outscored by 15 points, and they barely beat the Browns yesterday. I'm just, I don't like what I'm seeing from the offense either, and that's been a, like a trend since late last year. Malarkey and his exotic smash mouth had that like run of, like I think it was for like two months. It was like six games. Where they scored a ton of points, and everyone was like, hey, the exotic smash mouth. But ever since then, it's just been... A struggle like to get to 20 points and the Texans yeah I'm, I'm with you there I think I think the league will eventually figure out Deshaun Watson he's gonna stop he's not gonna be throwing five touchdowns every week but I think he's gonna be effective enough where that offense scores enough points to get them to like nine and seven ten and six so I think I think I'm gonna go with the Texans and the Chargers for now with the Raiders a close third yeah, the Raiders is the team that uh, we didn't mention that I, I think they still can dig themselves out. I think that we saw it last week that they really, you know, they got some resilience to them. Uh, the, the defense can make some plays. And, you know, as long as Mari Cooper's catching all kinds of balls again, like maybe that offense starts singing again. And by the way, Marshawn Lynch being suspended, maybe we get a little preview of what life is like without him. Um, you know, he hasn't been that great from a fantasy standpoint. I'm curious to see what they have in Washington and, and Richard out of the backfield. Um, and maybe that becomes a trend. So if you're a Marshawn Lynch owner, like this might be the beginning of the end, unfortunately. Um, moving on, our last question, speaking of the AFC, what do you think about how Hugh Jackson is handling the quarterback situation in Cleveland right now? And, and this is after uh, he and the Browns benched Kaiser again uh, and brought in another quarterback, uh, not named Kevin Hogan, again, and in the middle of a game for coaches' decisions. Yeah, I'm I'm losing faith in Hugh, and I was really high on him when when the Browns hired him. But he's this is just more proof that being a great coordinator, play caller, does not mean you're going to be a great head coach. I, I he's just mishandled the situation from this 
from the start because when he said when he named Kaiser the starter, he said we're gonna we know he's he's 21 years old. He's the youngest rookie and the quarterback in the league by like a year. We know he's gonna make mistakes, but we're gonna work through him. We're gonna learn from him. We're gonna stick with him. He's our quarterback. And then he benches him a couple games into the season because he makes those mistakes that he knew he knew they were coming. So I, I he just seems like a guy that's coaching for his job right now and. That's not what the Browns need at the moment. They need a more forward-thinking coach. And he's obviously nervous about getting to year three. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's it's really bad, especially when you yo-yo your quarterback like that. I think that you bench him once. So, I mean, if I'm running a team, God knows I shouldn't. I would rather Steven runs a team because he's, he's way smarter than me at this football stuff. But if I'm running a team and I have all the football knowledge in the world, I know – that either you start a young quarterback and keep starting him until, you know, especially for a rebuilding team, you kind of want to give him some experience. You don't want to hurt his his psyche. And that's where the benching comes in. If you're going to bench him, keep him on the bench for a while. Don't, you know, keep starting him, bring him in, taking him out, take him out in the middle of games. You know, uh, those are the kind of things that I think hurt a quarterback's um, mental state. I, and especially for a team that could be drafting a quarterback again next year. Like, that doesn't just quite make sense. Either you see what you have in Kaiser the full year, or you bench him at some point thinking that maybe you've seen enough to, to say, all right, he needs he needs more time. So I, I, I agree with you. It's not a great call. Um, I do write a, a little uh, weekly thing for For the Win uh, called uh, the, the Cleveland Browns Fan Hope Index, and there was a point a couple weeks ago I was like, oh, I think – you know, bringing in Hogan, not a bad idea. You can see what happens in him. And I was, like, just trying to, like, put myself in a, a Browns fan's shoes. Like, hey, it'll be okay. Everything will be okay. It's not. It's That's, you know, mishandling quarterback situation. And you hope that if they do draft another one next year, they don't mishandle that one. And that's part of the problem I have with benching Tizer is that Hogan and Kessler have no future as starters in the league. They just don't have the arm strength to do that. So I don't. He's just wasting time. I mean, the season is. They're zero seven now. They were zero six yesterday before yesterday's game. Why are you even worried about winning games right now? You should be worried about finding a quarterback because that's what you have to do before you're going to start winning games. And Kaiser was playing like his best half of the season in the first half, and then he made a couple of mistakes, which twenty-one year old quarterbacks that are playing with. Wide, terrible wide receivers that's what they do they make mistakes so i just it was such a quick hook and i just don't understand the move at all at least miles garrett is good he has like four sacks already in three games so at least there's that yeah there's a lot of, of stuff to be positive about with cleveland another good draft and i say you know now you can start talking about a team that's, that's finally coming together but you still need a quarterback Ugh, it's so frustrating all right let's move on to our unpopular opinion of the week I will start off with mine. Um, I don't know how unpopular this is, but I'm throwing it out there anyway. Told you I would be talking about the Chargers. I'm going to start with that. I think the Chargers win the AFC West. And it's unpopular because the Chiefs are so, or have been so good. And all of a sudden they're 5-2 and two and they look kind of vulnerable. And the Chargers, the Chargers just won two tough games. They won uh, one in Oakland. And they won one, and I put at home in scare quotes because we all know that playing in, in where they are in L.A. is just not really a home game. Um they shut out the Denver Broncos, which which I, I'm with you. The Denver Broncos are still a good team, but against a pretty good or very good defense, uh, suddenly their, their offense looks just uh, stale. 
Um, but the only problem I have with the Chargers is they have a really tough schedule. They're they're going out to to out east to New England next week, which is still a winnable game because you know the Patriots offense can be gotten to. Um, and after the bye, they have Jacksonville, um, Buffalo, Dallas. Uh, they have a game against Cleveland. They have Washington, Kansas City, the Jets, and Oakland. And of those games, you know, there are three or four really solid winnable ones. For them to make the playoffs, they've got to beat a team like Jacksonville that can be tough on defense. They've got to beat a team like Buffalo again, same thing. Um, Dallas can score points. Um, but I really have a lot of faith in the Chargers' defense. You know, their their sack totals are terrific. you got Melvin Ingram, who's great. Joey Bosa is terrific. And uh, um, although they lost one cornerback, they still have one of the better ones in the league in, in uh, Casey Howard. I think this team can contend. I really do. And and three and four does not mean anything right now, especially in the wild, wild uh, AFC. What's your, what's your take on this? I think if they can split the Cowboys and Patriots games, then I think they have a chance. They'll still have to go to Arrowhead and win. In I think that's in December. Yeah, December. But I think the rest of the schedule is manageable. I mean, the Jaguars have a good defense, but Blake Bortles isn't going to play as well as he played on Sunday every week. The Bills are beatable, especially, like you said, it's not really a home game, but especially at home for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Jets, the Browns, the Redskins are beatable. Yeah, I think they can go on a run. I'm, I'm still, I still think the Chiefs are better than them, and I think the Chiefs will get to 11 wins, which I think will put, put it out of reach. But I think they're going to make it closer than anyone thinks right now. I think everyone just expects the Chiefs to run away, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it will come down to that December game. Yeah, the Chiefs, the, my problem with the Chiefs and the reason that I'm, I'm coming up with this one is that I've suddenly seen them look vulnerable against Pittsburgh, you know, against these kind of really good teams. And, and at Oakland, obviously, is still a tough matchup because the, the Raiders aren't done yet. Uh, but at the same time, you know, that defense just, it's not doing it for me, you know. Uh-huh. It's, it's Marcus Peters and what, you know, uh, the, the pass rush is sometimes there. Um, they're not stopping runners and they're not stopping the, the pass. You know, I said Ben do break last week. They're kind of starting to break, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Their run defense is a legitimate problem and Eric Berry's not there. So that's a playmaker in the secondary. So they really only have one guy you have to avoid in the secondary being Peters and you can attack their second corner. Yeah. I think, I don't think they're as good as they were, as we thought they were a couple of weeks ago, but I still think they're the third best team in the AFC. All right, give me your unpopular opinion of the week. My unpopular opinion is that Dak Prescott is now the second best quarterback in the NFC, and I'm excluding Rodgers from that discussion because he's hurt. So it's Breeze, number one, and Dak, number two. So this is why I think that I can't find like a legitimate weakness in his game. Like I don't think he's ever going to be... An Aaron Rodgers type where he's going to make these like crazy wow plays with his with a big arm. He's going to make accurate throws on the run. I think he's like he's like if I had a one one out of one to ten on his accuracy, I'd say it's like an eight point five. And I think like that's like his every attribute. He's like an eight point five. He's like not great at any one thing, but he's not bad at any one thing either. Like his, last year was his footwork, but I think he's really improved that this year, and he's getting through his reads like. Drew Brees quick now. Yeah, it's just been amazing to watch his development over the last year. This kills me. This really does, because I have to agree with you. And you know me. I was, and, and our coworker, Luke Curtinine, were so down on Dak Prescott, simply because 
we thought it was all attributable to the offensive line. And I'm here to say I'm coming around. I really am coming around. And this actually happened to me last week. I was I was looking at quarterback rankings for fantasy purposes, and I saw Dak Prescott's name at the top of the list. I do not own any Dak Prescott shares this year. I was not all about it. I thought big step back for year two, or not a big step back, but like he'll go from being uh, a solid quarterback to being an okay mistake-making, you know, defenses will figure it out on tape quarterback. And I was like shocked to look at his numbers and realize he's probably the third best quarterback in all fantasy right now. And that, of course, you know, translates on the field. I mean, the guy every game, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and he runs the ball as much as he did last year. I mean, he's got at least 20 yards uh, rushing in uh, what, how many? Five or six games. And in the one game that he didn't hit 20 yards, he scored a touchdown and he scored three on the ground this year. That is a huge development because obviously it adds a lot more points to your to your quarterback if you're in a league where, you know, four four points for a, a passing touchdown, six for a, a rushing touchdown. And everyone kind of thought, well, last year's rushing touchdown totals will go down. But right now, if you think about like who the best fantasy quarterbacks are, Dak's got to be top three. And that is nutty to me and uh, proof that, once again, you should not take a quarterback at the top. You should kind of wait because I think Dak was in, what, maybe the five, fifth or sixth Beginning yeah, of I year, think even, I would say. yeah, I think later maybe. I, I got yeah. I got Cam Newton in like the sixth round, and he's been a top five quarterback even with his the games where he's struggling. I I think Dak went after him even. That's crazy, right? So that's why I don't don't. That's my advice, my free advice for everybody: do not take a quarterback uh, near the, the top of your draft. Either you end up with injured Aaron Rodgers, and actually, this is something I'm going to write about later this week. Is sort of some fantasy things that I've discovered. So this is one of them. And it confirms something I've said for years. Don't take a quarterback to top. They're so deep. And here's Dak Prescott, top three quarterback. And, uh, it kills me. Because I really, you know, I'm also a Giants fan. So, you know, bias. But I really didn't want to like him this year. And he's he's been really, really good and uh, consistent week to week, which is, is tough uh, these days. So, unpopular, but you're right. I think you're right. I agree with this one. All right. Next, Would You Rather, which is a little game we play every week. And this is fantasy related, and this is a tough one for me because uh, I, I have some shares here. Would you rather own Jordy Nelson or Larry Fitzgerald right now? I'm going with Fitzgerald because I think Jordy Nelson is at his most valuable when he's getting when he's getting the ball deep down the field. And if you watched the Packers game yesterday, that's the one thing that stood out was that Brett Hundley was not throwing the ball downfield. I think he attempted four passes, like past 10 yards, past the line of scrimmage, and he completed one. He threw, He also threw an interception. So you're not getting those deep balls that you usually get uh, with Rodgers. And I think Fitzgerald is more of a possession type guy. He's a slot receiver, and Stanton, he can definitely... I think they're just going to design plays where he can just get him the ball easily. So I think his... His production, I don't think his production, like in terms of yards and touchdowns, are gonna are gonna be as good as they would be with Palmer back there. But I think he's he's gonna still catch a lot of passes and get a lot of targets. Yeah, that's the volume play. That and that's I was going exactly in that same direction. I think it's Larry over Jordy, and now I'm gonna bang my head against my desk because I own Jordy Nelson in a couple of leagues. Um, it, it's tough to watch what's happening with Jordy. We we talked about it last week. What the the Packers are gonna look like. And we both said, I know, that Jordy was going to take a huge hit because he's the downfield guy. He's, you know, you get the ball 30 yards, 40 yards, and, and he's gone. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Larry Fitzgerald's numbers, and you, you realize, not a downfield guy, just, you know, 
put the ball in his hands and, and Stanton will do that. I don't think it's a question of, you know, the coaching staff's not going to start spreading the ball around to uh, John Brown and Jaron Brown or uh, JJ Nelson. They're, they're going to say, look, Larry Fitzgerald is a hall of famer. He's been playing like one the last couple of years, even in his quote unquote advanced age. And, you know, just keep getting on the ball. It might, decreases yardage but if you're in a ppr league i still see him getting six you know six um receptions a game at least 10 uh targets a game like no big deal from that perspective maybe the touchdowns go down a little bit but if you own larry fitzgerald you don't you're not suffering as much as you are if you're a jordy nelson owner so what do you think he his ceiling is you think he's a low-end two or maybe just like a flex guy at this point or do you think he's still a starter every week I think he's still your every week starter as a, as a wide receiver too. I think that's okay. kind of solid. Yeah. I, I and especially cause I play in a lot of leagues where you, you get points for at least, you know, a half point for receptions. Um, and in those leagues, I still think he ends up maybe, you know, like, I don't know what his, his floor might be, but it's maybe 10 reset. No, that's, that's a ceiling, maybe six receptions for, you know, 60 yards and, and, a, and a touchdown is, is always still possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, especially if they're going to play from behind, and especially if they have to abandon the run if the the um, offensive line is bad. So that's all in mind. I still think those are wide receiver two numbers. I think it's lower than he was um, with with Palmer, but it's it's still there. And I think one thing to consider is if you have any of the other Cardinals receivers, I would just get rid of them now. Like the Brown, yeah. the Browns, who just need they're just speed merchants that need the ball downfield yet. Yeah. Stan's not getting them the ball downfield, so just give up on them right now. <laughs> I like that. Just drop them. I, John Brown, it was so sad for John Brown owners because he had just turned the corner, and everybody's been talking about John Brown for the last two years, and the poor guy has ended up with some horrible, horrible health problems. Mm-hmm. And it was like, ah, finally, John Brown's here. No, not anymore. I, I'm with you. Uh, that's going to be problematic. And, uh, man, it's just it's just a rough one for, for Cardinals fans too. Uh, all right. We're going to do our final game of the day, our final segment of the day, I should say. Um, we do a little game of start, bench, cut, which is basically we're forced to make a decision uh, to start, to bench, to cut teams, players, whoever it is. Um, uh, and we're, again, we're not advocating for you to start, bench, or cut any of these uh, people or teams. But, you know, let's give this a shot. So we're going to give three. This, this is one you came up with. You want, you want to present it? Yeah. So these are the surprise divisional leaders in the NFC. And they are the Vikings, the Saints, and the Rams. So who do you think is most likely to make the playoffs and stay on top of their division? Who do you think is least likely to do so? I love this question uh, because I'm all in on the Vikings. Like, I really think that they are a legitimate contender uh, and and like the team that no one wants to face. Everyone's going to say that Seattle's going to be the team no one wants to face in the NFC, but I don't want to face that defense. And maybe Teddy Bridgewater comes in. Uh, and and does something with that offense, which is already still really good. Um, so I'll go start the Vikings, which means I think they're still a shoo-in for the playoffs, especially in that division. Um, I will, I'll bench the Rams. I I think they still could be a contender as a as a wild card. I don't know if they win the division because Seattle looks like they're starting to come together a little bit. Um, but I think the Rams are still in it. Um, and the Saints, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bench. Um, I know that uh, you and everyone else is saying, oh, the defense is better, and Drew Brees is coming together with that offense. I'm just still not buying it, and I think the, the NFC South is still up for grabs. It's a tough division. Even the Buccaneers at two and four, I think, could still make a run. And the Panthers, man, Cam, good Cam, bad Cam. Every different week, you don't know which one you're getting. Um, 
and we talked about the Falcons. Uh, maybe they suddenly figure it out. There's still a lot of time. So I'm not quite buying the, the Saints as the NFC South team to, to be. What's, what's your take? No, I'm with you on the Saints. I'm actually not as high on Drew Brees right now. He's kind of trending down. I, I don't know what his numbers were yesterday in terms of yards per attempt, but before that, I think it was five weeks in a row or four weeks in a row that, that it, it had gone down every week. And then he threw a couple picks yesterday. So, yeah, I'm not so high on that offense all of a sudden. But And the defense, yeah, I think they, they're definitely better. And the secondary's playing at a lights-out level. But I'm, I'm not sure about the front seven, really. So, yeah, I'm going to bench. I'm going to cut the Saints. And I think this question comes down to how confident you are in the second-place teams and the third-place teams of coming up and like catching those people, or these teams. And I think the Seahawks have the best chance of catching the Rams. But I don't know if... Uh, I'm not ready to give up on the Rams yet. I think their defense is getting better every week, and I think the offense is just going to continue at the pace they're on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bench them, and then I'm going to start the Vikings just because the other teams in that division aren't good enough to catch them even with even if case keenum has to play the rest of the season i i want to see teddy bridgewater come back i i I like teddy bridgewater more than most non-vikings fans and i want to see him succeed but i don't i don't think he's going to be ready to play mentally even if he like he gets the the all good all clear i don't think he's going to be ready and i uh, sam bradford's knee is definitely concerning but I don't think they need a quarterback because the defense is so good. Yeah, it's it's something we, we both, I think, or no, actually I think you wrote about last year when they made the Bradford trade. It's like, why are they making a trade for a quarterback when they don't need one? Uh, which is crazy. And also I have to point out that you wrote something last week about Teddy Bridgewater and watching him come back. And I think the headline was like, Teddy Bridgewater is back and I'm going to cry. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I, I think we revealed your was- fandom there for him. Yeah, I don't think I ever revealed that publicly, but now it's out there. Teddy Bridgewater's <laughs> return almost made me cry. But I think Amazing. I think one thing this Vikings team continue continuing to have some success after the Dalvin Cook injury is that non-quarterback injuries aren't as significant as we make them out to be. I think we kind of oversell those at some at certain points, like the Leonard Fournette injury. He didn't play yesterday and. Vegas didn't really react to it at all. Like I think they dropped the the line by like half a point, and then you saw why the Jaguars still dominate. I don't think I think we give too much credit to these non quarterbacks. I don't think they make as big of an impact as we think they do. I I completely and utterly agree, and it's hilarious to me because I have people who are telling me like, "Oh man, the Giants need a running back," and I'm like, "No, they don't. They they need an offensive line, and I'm I'm all about the John Madden school of like you know build lines, mm-hmm. you know offensive line, defensive line, and and go out from there and take your you know, you quarterback obviously you need, but yeah the skill position guys it's it, unfortunately it's like next man up and and you know look at Jarek McKinnon and, and Latavius Murray like they're doing just fine um, because the Vikings have improved their offensive line so I'm with you. 100%. We could do a whole separate podcast on this. Maybe we will someday. Uh, all right. Let's finish up as we always do with our top five teams in uh, the, the NFL right now. Um, I'll do this quick. Um, I'm going to take the Patriots first. I think they are still the team to beat, even though there are flaws. And we've been saying this for weeks. Um, but clearly, 
after the win uh, yesterday, last night, I think that they are the team to beat. I put the Steelers next. The Steelers kind of uh, impressed me the last couple of weeks. They've, they've started to figure things out. With Roethlisberger, I think the defense is starting to play the way it's supposed to. Um, the Cowboys are next. I'm kind of becoming a big believer in the Cowboys, uh, even though the defense, again, still a problem for me. Um, but when you're winning games like that, and again, it's, it's 40 you know, 40 points on the Niners, not a big deal. But I'm starting to see the Cowboys kind of being uh, one of the better teams in the NFC, and that means a lot right now, um, given all the teams in the NFC with problems. Number four is the Chiefs. They moved down a little bit. They're 5-2. and two. They still could win. I still believe the Chargers could win that division. Um, but I still think they are a team that is, uh, at the end of the season, you'll be, we'll be talking about them. Uh, hopefully winning a playoff game under Andy Reid. Uh, and then five, I'm going to put the Eagles. They haven't played yet as of this taping, but uh, if they go six and one, you kind of got to still put them in the top five. What's your thinking? I have the same five teams, different order. The top yeah. two are the same. I have the, the Patriots first. Their defense, as we all expected, has been turned around thanks to Belichick. I, they still need to add some front seven pieces if they're going to roll through the playoffs and I think they'll I think they might swing a trade they've done so like the last couple of years and then I'll go with the Steelers whose defense is just getting better every week and the offense is finally playing like it should be playing they still have to figure out the Martavis Bryant situation but I think they have enough pieces to I think they can just trade him away at this point with with uh, uh, how Juju is playing and then I got the Chiefs third I still think they're the third best team in the AFC and apparently the league and then I got, I'm going to go with the Eagles fourth and the Cowboys a close fifth. I think the Cowboys will end up being the better team, but right now I still think the Eagles defense is just nasty. I think if those two played right now, I think the Eagles might pull that one out. I think they'd be able to slow down uh, Elliott and they'd be able to get to Prescott a little. And they have the best offensive line in the league right now, which is surprising because you'd think the Cowboys would have that title, but they've been pretty inconsistent so yeah that's my top five awesome well we will discuss everything week eight next week uh thanks all for listening and we will see you next week